We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Sean, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it, man. Are you kidding me? All let, right. me break, let me break the date down. I told my <laughs> wife earlier today, I'm doing rapid fire today, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Was she as excited as you were about it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. She said, you better not mess up. So I'll, she did put the pressure on me. She All put right. the pressure on me. All right. Well, we didn't start with uh, what's got everybody worked up today, though we've had plenty of comments about it in uh, in the chat here tonight. So which was the bigger weekend shocker, Sean? Wide receiver Isaiah Canyon decommitting from Notre Dame or defensive lineman Justin Scott announcing his commitment to go to Ohio State? Now, it's interesting because immediately I'm sure most people are going to say, oh, he's going to say Justin Scott. And I was leaning that way originally. And as I get the backstory to the Isaiah, Isaiah Canyon situation and just how connected he was and after he committed, he visited multiple times, getting back to the campus and seemed to be locked in. And then all of a sudden, you know, just within the last 10 days, it seems like, you know, the staff started to worry and started to get noise that, you know, things weren't as well. And then to find out the reasoning behind everything, it's just a strange set of circumstances. Really, mm-hmm. I've never really seen these type of circumstances. And then for him to commit to Georgia Tech. That's the big shot, that, right? Yes. So for me, I'm going to say Isaiah Canyon and the way things have played out was a lot more shocking than understanding that Ryan Day was in the gym. Ryan Day was the head coach that got him to pause on his commitment January 31st, when it eventually would have been Notre Dame. So for Ohio State to come in and get that commitment, it's not a shock to me because they were the ones that originally came in and stopped the Notre Dame train from lighting up on January 31st. Yeah, see, like I was shocked by Canyon. It's like, oh boy, here we go. And of course that turned into a thing. And I guess at least when you saw, you know, again, it's shocking, I think, to see him go to Georgia Tech, but at the same time with him being where he's from, you know, Georgia, you know, Mm -hmm. Warner Robins, right? Yeah. So it's like, at least he, at least the action that followed the decommitment matched up with the reason 
that he gave. He wanted to stay yeah. closer to home, you know, had a relative that, you know, didn't want to fly and all those different kind of things. The Justin Scott thing was just like, <laughs> you know, we, we kept hearing all these things. And I, I kind of thought that the longer this sort of, you know, he was out there and he wasn't committed to anyone, it seemed like, well, maybe Notre Dame's got a chance in this thing. And it, mm-hmm. it because like, obviously we were, you know, you're here in Miami and then, well, it's not going to be Miami. He wants to stay closer to the Midwest. And it's like, oh, okay. Michigan, obviously, in play. And then all of a sudden, out of left field, it's Ohio State. And to me, it was kind of like seeing him commit to Ohio State was was kind of like it's like a heel turn in pro wrestling, you know? It oh, that's like, nice. I like that. Like, it's like when Andre the Giant, you know, decided to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah. He's joining up with Bobby the Brain, you know? It's like, that's what it seemed like with Justin Scott. I was just, it. I think it caught everybody off guard that, it, you know, maybe not that he committed someplace besides Notre Dame, but that it was Ohio State of all places. Well, you know, that heel turn was <laughs> the heel turn that eventually put Hulk Hogan over at WrestleMania that's right. that's and made right. him a superstar. So hopefully... There you go. This might be a heel turn that eventually turns into Notre Dame getting over the hump. Maybe it comes back. (laughs) Maybe they flip him and get him in the class on National Signing Day. But I mean, I understand. I I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And knowing that he, as I said before, Notre Dame fans feel a certain way. But he actually told Michigan that he was coming. Right. if I'm Mike Elston today, I'm probably like, man, like Notre Dame knew as of last weekend that they weren't, he wasn't committed to them. Right. Michigan felt we got him, he's committed to us. And then all of a sudden, things change. And the reason he gave is pretty straightforward, you know. And I'm sure there are other reasons, you know, that probably led to the ultimate decision. Besides just Larry Johnson being a hawk, look, look, Larry Johnson at Penn State is a Hall of Fame defensive line coach. Right. You bring him to Ohio State and combine both of those without question. You know, Notre Dame doesn't have anything that can match that. And Mike Elston, even though he has a long list of guys that he brought to Notre Dame and developed and they're playing in the NFL right now, he can't match that. But I would be honest and say there's a little bit more to it than just. Larry Johnson and some other things. And one of those things is, and I said this, and I think people just chose not to listen to it. I told people about a month ago, he's paying attention to whom he's going to be playing with on the defensive side of the ball in the class. And everybody just kind of let it go by their ears. I'm like, he's paying attention to the. And at that point in time, the Michigan class had gained a lot of momentum. They were getting a lot of commitments. And then recently, what? They just, uh, Ohio State just added the number three defensive end in the country. They have the number three defensive lineman in Justin Scott and then the number five defensive lineman in Justin Scott. So, and the number one defensive back in Aaron Scott. So you start looking at who he could look at to say, these are the guys that I'm coming in with that I'm going to play with. And he starts to compare it along with other factors. And, yes, he said from the jump that NIL was a factor. He never hit that. He's he, Yeah, NIL is going to be a factor. So right. 
it's actually refreshing, in my opinion, to see a kid go through the process, sit down with his parents, sit down with his coaches, come to a decision, and then come back to his coaches and say, man, I'm not so sure after thinking about it. And then talk about it all over again and make a decision, regardless of what the factors were. This is how you want most decisions to be made. And now we'll see if Notre Dame can take it into the fall. Look, it's this worked out great for Notre Dame, in my opinion. Because if it was any other school from the South, it, they probably would have had a chance to play the Midwest card, stay close to home. If it were Michigan, I really think this is me. From the okay. first time I met him, the affinity he had for Michigan and that program, the way he spoke about that program, I think it would have been very difficult to get him away from the Wolverines. Ohio State, on the on the other side, is something that you can possibly lure him for a visit in September for that game as you continue to work on him. Right. If you walk onto that field and Notre Dame handles business against Ohio State, that's something that you can say that you didn't have in your back pocket when you were recruiting him in the spring and in the summer. Right. Now you can say, look, I know it might not look a certain way on the books to you, but we just showed you on the field that we're better than that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, and I know people are, are upset and frustrated, and I get it. You know, they've, mm-hmm. they've got to... They, they, you know, Notre Dame, especially that position, you know, the, the, the two defensive positions that have got to get better are on the line and at safety. You know, we've, yeah. we've seen some improvement at safety lately, but, and I, you know, and people have, yet they're still not able to get that big five-star regardless of what the position is. And that's, that's something that they've, you know, got to start doing better, but you know, for the people who want to say, well, 
Freeman, you know, so much for Freeman recruiting at a higher clip. The 24 class still has a 60% blue chip ratio. You know, the the, the percentage of, of four, you know, four star to five star. Now, obviously, they're all mm -hmm. four stars. It's still 60%. Yeah. Brian Kelly, in his last four seasons here at Notre Dame, pre-Marcus Freeman classes, was sitting at around 53%. For those four classes, he had a 72% one time. The rest of them were all in the 50s. Marcus Freeman so far in his two years, including this one, is at 72%. So, like, he's still doing a much better job of consistently at least getting four stars as opposed to threes. But they've got to be able to start, you know, knocking it out with some of these five-star guys to truly be able to get over the hump and truly be able to say, you know, we can compete with the Ohio States and the mm -hmm. Alabamas and Georgias when it when it comes to playoff time. And they don't have to have a roster littered with five stars, Sean. Right. They've been able to compete as But you've got to be better than just Jalen Sneed and Michael Mayer over the last, you know, six years. A absolutely. Whatever. And it starts, I think the biggest improvement, in my opinion, has been the, re the improvement with the quarterback. I think right. Kenny Minchie was an upgrade. I think C.J. Carr is another upgrade. And I, think, and I think Deuce Knight pretty much saying is Notre Dame and Tennessee. But that's where you can also overcome it. If you're sitting yes. there at the 72% that Marcus Freeman is at and you get a more, you know, closer to elite quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. quarterbacks of the, of the level that you're talking about and recruited a 72% blue chip, you know, level, of, you know, pretty consistently, you get the quarterback, then you're changing the game. Because that's essentially the formula that Clemson had. Absolutely. When they had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. The only difference is Clemson has been able to establish getting five-star defensive linemen right. and getting them to the NFL. And now that sells itself for Dabo Swing. Like, this is what we do. We bring you in, we get you to the first round of the NFL draft, and we win. That's something that Notre Dame is going to have to break. They're going to have to break the ice eventually. Someone's going to have to be that first guy. They're not giving up on Justin Scott. Can he be that guy later on in the year? Notre Dame is going to have to win on the field to make up the difference. That's that's really going to be the most impactful thing for Justin Scott. He has to be able to see Notre Dame make up a difference on the field for him to say, you know what? This is the team. This is the head coach that I really that I do want to play for. But the other factors at this point in time just outweigh the fact that I love Marcus Freeman. And right. that's 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 where things sit. So JP asks, does this reflect on Freeman because he's the one who hired Golden? I would think Freeman drops Al and makes Mickens the DC at the end of the year. What you know? What do you think about all this? With with you know, again, everyone wants to you know assess blame and and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You know what? What do you think? It is going to be tough. And look, for me, I'm going to scream this from the mountaintop. I think recruiting in this day is so much more than the head coach. And it's so much more than your staff. That's the core of recruiting. Absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, and I've talked this over with Brian Driscoll, every team has maybe three excellent recruiters on staff. Maybe three. That's true. And and then you might have another three or four that just really grind out, just really work hard at it. 
to get everything out. And then you have some that are left over that everyone helps out to, to even things out. But it's the support staff, right? It's, it's Alabama having a 70-man recruiting staff, right? It's Clemson having a 15 to 20-man recruiting staff. It's Georgia pouring almost $5 million into recruiting and everything that goes into that identifying talent and making relationships with talent. Notre Dame has to step into that stratosphere, right? Because it's bigger than just Marcus Freeman. Because Marcus Freeman more than likely is going to knock down the door and get you in the door for five stars, right? Right. But then is, is it really fair at this point when you know your coaches don't have the cachet of a Larry Johnson, of the other big-time assistant coaches that are at these other schools? Okay, they're kind of at a disadvantage as well. So – how do you supplement that? Well, you supplement that by being all in as a staff collectively, whether offensively or defensively. It's not just about, okay, we're going to get this kid in and then Coach Freeman, you have to close. No, everybody has to be viewed as an integral part of the recruiting of top athletes until you get to the point where the winning on the field takes over and development takes over and you can point to the NFL draft. That's two or three years down the line, possibly, Sean. So what are we supposed to do until then? Just believe that we can't get it done? Marcus Freeman isn't going to believe that. He believes wholeheartedly that he can get it done. Mm -hmm. He believes that he can get five-star kids to come to Notre Dame and show them that they are Notre Dame kids. But it's going to have to come from everybody putting in the work. He said it best on the Pivot interview. It's not about to happen because I go to the grotto and pray. It's it's not about to happen because of that. That's right. There's some work that needs to be done. You still got to go out and do the work. That's right. Absolutely. There's work that needs to be done by everyone in that building, man. This is not just about, oh, the coaches and markets. No, recruiting is a group effort when you really look at these top programs. And there are a lot of people responsible for the successes of the best recruiting programs. And at the same time, because of all the things that you're talking about, the results on the field, I just feel like this is a huge, huge season for Al Washington with, mm -hmm. you know, like when you talk about development for what happens with that defensive line on the field because of, you know, some of the things you're talking about, like, can you show that, you know, these are the kind of guys you want to play, yeah. you know, next to, you know, that, that that this defensive line coach is the kind of defensive line coach that can develop you and turn you into an NFL guy mm -hmm. down the road. You know, all those different things. If, if, if you're not the best recruiter, you have to make up for it. Obviously with, with what you do the rest of the, you know, with when you're out there on the field with those guys, with the development that you have with those guys. Yeah. And I guess what's, you know, I think what a lot of people, We'll look at is Marcus Freeman's words when you know the day he, you know, stood up there at the podium when he was announced as the head coach yeah. and talked about everyone's got to be invested in recruiting. And you know, again, you said it; it's it's a joint team collaborative effort. But at the same time, <clears throat> you can't have guys that that lag too far behind. You know, especially when you're you're still trying to get the big hits like they're trying to get right now. And to go back to what we spoke about earlier tip of the cap to Jack Swarbrick because the landscape is changing and maybe Jack Swarbrick understands either I'm not really equipped 
or I don't feel comfortable making certain decisions that may need to be made for Notre Dame to step into that stratosphere that's going to improve recruiting and ultimately support Marcus Freeman and these coaches to make the job just a little bit easier. Because we already, it's difficult to walk into these elite kids' schools and homes and convince them to come to Notre Dame. That's a right. difficult task in 2023. That's, and it was difficult before NIL. Now with NIL. It's even tougher. That's it's right. even tougher. So we know this. They need all the support that they can get from administration, faculty, athletic director, president. Everybody needs to be on board for things to truly turn around. Greg says he believes the fall is where we flip some of these guys. And that, you know, Notre Dame has had some success the last few years. Absolutely. In flipping guys. So just because guys are, I mean, it's a great point. And I think you said it too. You know, like you do have an opportunity to potentially still get Justin Scott in for a visit when when Notre Dame and Ohio State play, especially, you know, but you can show him the Notre Dame side of things when Ohio State is in that weekend. And, you know, whether it's him or anyone else, I wouldn't just close the door on anybody. I still think, you know, that, that they could potentially flip some guys down there. Absolutely. Especially if things are going well, which, again, like <clears throat> the season becomes even more important, I think. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. All right, so we started the show obviously talking about independence. Penn State's been in the Big Ten for 30 years. Mm -hmm. If they had it to do over again, Sean, do you think that they would stay independent, join the Big Ten, or join a different conference? They made the right decision. You think so? I, I look at it and I say, yeah, Penn State definitely made the right decision. They were on an island, and I think they made the right decision for the rest of their sports. Because I believe when they got to the Big Ten, their men's and women's volleyball exploded. And they became really good. It impacted. They haven't taken off, but they've had mild success with their basketball teams, uh, men's and women's in the Big Ten. So I think the effect it had on the other sports was a positive. As far as the football, they came right to the conference. And I remember that Kajana Carter team with Kerry Collins came down to Champaign. Mm -hmm. And we thought we had them. It was 28-7. 28-7. We're like, oh, we're about to upset the number one team in the nation. <laughs> And they come back and they rattle off, what, 28 straight, and they ultimately win the game 35-28. And they sent all of us home to our dorm rooms, just could not – we couldn't believe what we just watched. And that itself, the transition, the way they came in, the success they had, and ultimately they truly have been a foil to – whether it's Michigan or Ohio State in different years. And then you have to tip your cap because what they went through, we all understand the scandal. And I think if they had gone through that scandal as an independent, Sean, I don't know how things play out. But I think the fact that they were solidified and covered by the Big Ten right. to be able to go through that, I think it helped tremendously in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I I just don't see a way, you know, again, Notre Dame has been able to stay independent because of the national brand that they are. Now, you can mm -hmm. argue that Penn State was a bigger national brand when they yeah. were still independent. But what did they not have that Notre Dame 
came up with at about the same time <coughs> Penn State decided to go independent. A TV contract, their own national TV contract. And that's that's essentially why, whether it's Penn State or Florida State, Miami, BYU, all these different schools, like, you know, BYU gave independence a shot for a while. It didn't work out because they didn't have, they're not near the Notre, you know, the, the national brand of even Penn State, let alone Notre Dame. Plus, they didn't have a TV contract the way Notre Dame has. And so I just, I don't think that, that Penn State, you know, even though they've kind of become, you know, to an extent, just one of the other schools in the Big Ten, they still, I just, I don't see them, there there was not a path for them to remain independent in the same way that Notre Dame has remained independent. not, Not at all. And out of those schools that you mentioned earlier, I think the one school for me that shocked me the most, and this is me not understanding the business side, from a university standpoint, because now that I know the history, there were some big time fiscal issues on the administration side and the educational side at the University of Miami. But as far as like a brand and how powerful Miami was at that point in time, right? especially when it comes to like apparel and the people they were putting into the professional. Like mid nineties, like yes. you know, early to mid nineties Miami. Yeah, that's right. Now, it it, it kind of shocked me when they chose to go to the Big East. I'm like, why are they joining? The, what is this? I know. Do they really have to go to the Big East? And, you know, it was for survival. Not for the football program. It was really for the survival of the university and the, the things that were happening outside of the football program. Yeah, exactly. And But, you know, but again, minus a TV contract like Notre mm-hmm. Dame has, it just yeah. – your your ability to do that because the rest of you you know because not only was the football program independent that means everybody else was independent for a long yeah. time as well you know like yeah. they didn't have the you know again they didn't have the same kind of arrangement that that uh Notre Dame had so yeah, I I just and uh, you know as far as another conference for Penn State maybe the ACC you know like I think you could argue that maybe they'd be better off in a place like the ACC now but I tend to agree with a lot of what you said about them in the Big Ten. You know, even though they haven't won a lot of Big Ten championships, I, I think that for the success of all of their athletic programs, the Big Ten has probably been a good place for them. They just haven't been able to find any rivals. You know, that's that's what Penn State is missing, some rivals. Yep. All right, fill in the blank. If you could switch places – with anyone in sports for 24 hours, it mm. would be blank. Right now, I'm a huge baseball fan. It would be Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts is absolutely amazing. Right behind him would probably be Shohei Otani right now. I like that. Like if I could just feel what to be the most dangerous power here in baseball and then be the most dangerous pitcher no four days later, that has to feel like he has to feel like a Greek god right now, the way <laughs> things are going. Like, he is just I know all-powerful, man, omnipotent. But Mookie Betts, to me, he, I say it because he's my favorite player, but he plays center field, right field, second base. He's played shortstop this year. That's a dream, man. <laughs> you know, because, like, I was left-handed, 
So when you're left-handed, you can't play on the infield. I, I right. couldn't stand that, right? Because I love I wanted I grew up wanting to be a shortstop, but I couldn't be a shortstop because I was left-handed. And just to have that opportunity to play that many different positions and be great at it and be that type of athlete, I would probably want to be Mookie Betts. Interesting. Mookie Betts is, I mean, that's a really good one. It's like the amazing, the level. I, I, I think it's kind of gotten lost with him in Los Angeles just because he's West Coast now instead of, you know, in the middle of that Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. But mm-hmm. he is, you haven't seen much drop-off, if any at all, from Mookie Betts, you know, since he, he moved out there. He's, a, he's pretty freaking awesome, too. I went with Roger Goodell just because, Ooh. you know, like, Roger Goodell makes $65 million a year. And like he obviously catches a lot of grief. Like that's a lot of money to be the commissioner of a sport and not even, you know, be a guy like Mookie Betts or Shohei Atani or, you know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, or Tom Brady, not the guy playing the sport. The commissioner of the sport is making $65 million a year. So I would like to be in Roger Goodell's shoes on the toughest day of the year that he has and like, see, see like, what is it he really deals with that, that is worthy of, of making that kind of money. Would you change anything though? Oh man. (laughs) That's a good question. What would I change? You know, we were talking about it on, like, I would like to see a different, with with the salary cap in the quarterbacks, I would like to see a different salary, you know, like the way the quarterback's contract is handled, you know, with, mm-hmm. the, with the huge amount of money and yeah. the impact that it has on the salary on cap. The salary cap yeah. That is something that I would like to see change. How about you? Would you change Maybe anything? that's that's interesting. Maybe like a certain percentage of the quarterback right. only counts against the cap to give right. you more flexibility. If I were Roger Goodell right now. I would be a little bit more honest about what's going on. And I understand the integrity of the shield is very important, but heck, you got a football team in Las Vegas for Christ's sakes. So (laughs) that you've already crossed that line when it comes to integrity and worried about gambling. Mm -hmm. Look, the way of the world is people gamble on their phones. They lay parlays for hockey, major league baseball. NFL players are going to gamble. They're going to gamble. And I understand trying to lay down the law and make sure that it doesn't impact the game. No, you don't want any football player betting on the game that he's actually playing in. That's just not good business. But I don't know. I just think the world is evolving, man. And I think eventually the NFL is going to have to open itself up and maybe have a little better, little better understanding of, you know, how things are going. Because ultimately – Obviously, the, the players keep trying to find a way to do it. You would think the two players last year they got popped with discredit and discouraged guys from wanting to do it. And here we are now we're up to what five guys right before we even get to camp that are out for the year. It is a trend that I think he has to pay attention to, and he has to sit with the players union and say, Look, we have to make this somehow. even for both sides to whereas right. we're not taking the fun away from the players 
being able to gamble, but at the same time, protecting the league and protecting the shield. And I'm sure there's a way to do it. Isaiah Rogers, apparently, you know, the Colts defensive back, who's one of the guys who got suspended, he bet a game prop on, I didn't see which teammate it was, but basically like the over under on one of his teammates rushing yards in a game. So like, not only, you know, like, are you kidding me? Like, you just have to be smarter than that. If Absolutely. Like, he deserves every amount of the suspicion mm-hmm. that he got. But but you're right. It's, you know, like, guys are going to gamble. You've just – you've got to figure out some way to work around this a little bit. Because as soon as you allow this in, you know guys are going to do it. And, oh, and like absolutely. You said, you've said, you've brought a team to Las Vegas, you know. And I, and I know that apparently when a visiting team goes to Las Vegas, they're not allowed to go to a sports book and all this – different stuff it's like you know there's just there's so many temptations you're laying out there for these you guys. know what's so weird boxers can actually bet on themselves in a prize fight really yeah floyd mayweather has bet on himself several times and you can bet on yourself fight. but not against yourself is what you're I, I don't know the rules but i know he has i don't think he can physically show up but he can have someone that's a representative for him and tell place him, money. Yeah, place money on me. Wow. You know, knockout seventh round decision, whatever. And he he's one of the biggest prop players in Vegas. He does it all the time with sports like first half NBA, second half NBA. He's constantly doing that and making those moves. And if you can do it in boxing against yourself, Because that would, to me, that would be something I'm like, oh man, you you're putting this amount of money on yourself. Now it would be strange if you bet against yourself. That that would be something that would be an eye raise, right? Right. Like, wait a minute, Floyd, Floyd bet against saying. himself. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like uh, Butch in Pulp Fiction. You know, like Butch, Butch. You know, I guess no. I guess he did bet on himself, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's like he was supposed. to – Yeah, that's right. Because he was supposed to go down. In the third, that's right. Yeah. So, but he actually bet the money on himself and knocked mm-hmm. the guy out instead. So, yeah, he turned it around. That's right. He didn't bet against himself. So, athletes are betting on themselves in other sports. I mean, you know, I would bet on myself. Like, say I'm coming into the season. I mean, it I makes wanna... you work that much harder, right? If you bet on yourself. Yes. Like, if I have a prop bet that I I'm rushing for 1,400 yards, and I lay money on it as a running back in the NFL. What's wrong with that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As long as you're taking the over, right? <laughs> right. How how am I impacting the game in a negative way? You right. know, this is now the only thing that can hurt me is if my team and my teammates don't like it and they, you know, do some unscrupulous stuff to make sure that I don't get to that number. But, yeah. All right. 
I saw someone ask this question over the weekend. In their prime, which of these college running backs are you taking? You got mm-hmm. Reggie Bush. Yeah. You got Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson, or Ezekiel Elliott. Which of those guys are you taking in their prime in college? Love them all. Just the impact of special teams, passing game, and running game, Reggie Bush. And, and Saquon Barkley was like right in that pocket of being able to impact all three areas. But Reggie Bush was something special to watch. It, he just truly was something special to watch. And you had to stay up late to watch him, which I did late nights on the West Coast. He was, mm-hmm. and I remember him walking in. And this is look, you have big games. He walked into Notre Dame Stadium and just two big, two big time runs. It's like that's who he was, right? Right. And I think Pete Carroll will he'll be haunted for throwing the ball and not giving it to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. And he'll be haunted for going forward on fourth and one against Texas with Reggie Bush on the sideline. Those are the two calls that will forever haunt Pete Carroll. Right. You got the best player in the world, and he's on the sideline. I just don't understand. I mean, the only thing Reggie couldn't do really was run between the tackles, right? Absolutely, yeah. The guy averaged like seven and a half yards a carry or something like that. But they had Lindale White to run between the tackles, and he can Mm -hmm. do everything else that you're talking about and just fly downfield. So that's why, like, to me it was between him – and Adrian Peterson, because Peterson is the opposite. He could obviously run between the tackles, yeah. and he could also get outside on you real quick. He just wasn't that, you know, obviously that flashy kind of receiver that a Saquon or a Reggie Bush were. So, but but because of all the versatility and everything, like Reggie Bush could just cause so many mismatches in mm-hmm. the college game, and we saw it all the time, and that's why I would take him as well. But it's crazy. Adrian Peterson, his last year at Oklahoma – he ran for over a thousand yards in just seven games. <laughs> wow! Like, and then he didn't play the rest of the season, you know. But I would go Reggie Bush as well. I was just seeing if Roger Dodger, our USC fan, had anything to to add to that. I guess not. So tomorrow's the Fourth of July, Sean. Yeah. Is there a better Independence Day themed movie than Will Smith's Independence Day? Now, see, I did my research for you, Sean. Nice. I prepared for you. Nice. Independence Day is the barometer. Have you seen Girls Trip? Now, so you might not be familiar with Girls. I Trip. haven't seen Girls Trip. Girls Trip is. A I know great what it movie. is, but I never saw it. Great movie, and it's built around the Essence Fest, which is a fabulous festival that's okay. built around the Fourth of July every year in New Orleans. If you ever get an opportunity to go experience it, you know New Orleans by itself is one thing, but Essence Fest is absolutely amazing. Music, art fashion, businesses all over the place, food, you'll love. So Girls Trip would be right there. A lot of people don't know that Jaws was built around the 4th of July as well. You're right, it was. The classic. I totally forgot about that. You really did some work on that. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So Jaws is a classic. You have to think about Jaws, right? Yeah. And last but not least, because this is one of my favorite all-time movies, there's a huge July 4th scene in the Sandlot. That's right. That's right. So that's built around the 4th of July. At least well. the 4th of July scene, all the fireworks yes. and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Independence Day is the barometer without question. But I would debate that I wouldn't have a problem with anyone that brings up those other three films that are connected to the 4th of July. 
I mean, it's hard to beat Independence Day with like Bill Pullman as the president, you know, and the the whole speech and all, you know, like you know this. We declare our independence and all that that kind of stuff, you know, before the jet fighters go up and and attack the spaceship and Randy Quaid, you know, up yours or you know, whatever. <laughs> that <laughs> was beautiful. My generation, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> as much as you talk about Will Smith, he made he was one of the characters that really made that movie go. He in was, in my opinion, absolutely. Yep. And I forget right. the, the father's name because the father's had the father had this this oh comic. Uh, Time, comedic time. Judd Hirsch, the old Judd Hirsch, the yes. that was uh, Jeff Goldblum's dad. In yes, the yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, he that's was right. those hilarious. Two were like, those two are the comedy. Yeah, in the whole thing, it's got to come on in the next couple of days. I just imagine some people saying the Patriot. I just didn't like the Patriot as much because to me, the, the Mel like, Gibson, the Mel, yeah, the Mel Gibson, because like I loved Braveheart and I watched Braveheart a million times and it was just like. It was basically just like Braveheart set in the Revolutionary War, you know. So I wasn't, I wasn't as in on it because I felt like we just saw that, you know, like in Scotland, you know, a couple yeah. hundred, a few hundred years before. But Independence Day got to be at the top of the list for sure. I agree. All right, and of course the Nathan's hot dog eating contest is tomorrow. Can you eat anything at the level Joey Chestnut eats hot dogs, Sean Davis? Sunflower seeds. <laughs> truth be told, down, huh? Truth be told, I had to stop. Because really? yeah, I would I would eat two packs of sunflower seeds every day. No kidding. And so much, so much that I would sweat salt. Really? And so yeah, it really started to impact like my blood pressure and everything. So I had to go cold turkey and just leave it alone. So Sunflower seeds for me, yes, I was at Joey Chestnut level. It was, it was bad. It was wow. bad. Yeah. See, like, I'm surprised, you know, like you didn't just get like your, your mouth all swollen up and, you know, all kinds of sores inside your mouth from all the sunflower seed shells mm -hmm. and all that. Kind of yeah. Stuff. Uh, and, I like and to... Go I ahead. used to have these mountains around the house. My wife couldn't stand it. I bet. And then she would <laughs> find like seeds all over the carpet and, you know. She was the happiest when I stopped. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, it's like, it's, you know, just like when you're out at the baseball field, you know, like if you're playing on a turf field, they don't want any sunflower seeds out there. It's, it's the yeah. same as the carpet in your house. Yeah. You know, hard to vacuum up. I like to think I could do a pretty good job of eating some M&Ms, you know, like plain M&Ms. Like I could nice. put some M&Ms yeah. down. That's, that's like one of my biggest vices. It's like, you put M&M's sitting around, and I, it's, I just have a hard time keeping my hand out of the dish, you know. And M&M's and Skittles. Yeah. Oh, man. Skittles. I had to get off the Skittles a while back, like wreck, wrecking the team. <laughs> so. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> Chi-Town. Chi-Town. Black licorice. Ooh, man. I don't know about that. Um. Going back to what we were talking about before, Ryan said a playoff win or a national championship would sell itself when, when you're talking about selling mm -hmm. to recruits. You know, and that's what I think that just being in the college football playoff helped Notre Dame in terms of recruiting. You know, again, they did, they, they got some bumps out of being in the playoffs those two times in three years. But, you know, again, Marcus Freeman has still elevated 
the level of recruiting. They just haven't quite got either, you know, the big five-star guys yet or mm -hmm. they're, but they, but they, the, the place where they're making up for it, like you said, is what they're doing with the quarterback recruiting right now. The quarterback recruiting is a lot better just in this two plus cycles than we saw under Brian Kelly over a long Absolutely. period of time. Absolutely. Yep. Sean, <clears throat> I enjoyed it. Be safe out there. Are you going to shoot off any fireworks tomorrow? No, you know, no, I'm not a fireworks guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not either. I'm not either. And they did. I think they did the uh, the fireworks here in town the other night. So I don't know if I'm even going to be able to see any fireworks. But all right. Well, be safe. I appreciate it. I had a blast Man. doing this with you. First Man, time. we have Gone to do this gone. again. Have I know. To get, we have to do it again. For sure. Thank I you think, for thinking of me. I think we need either like a pre-training camp or once camp starts, we, we need to we need to hook one up again. Whenever right? you Thank need you. me, I'm here. Just let all me right. know. I appreciate it. Well, you have a great fourth and well. um, hope to talk to you again soon sometime. Absolutely. All right. Hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate you being here tonight. And of course, everybody else, you have a great 4th of July as well. And we will talk to you later this week on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.